Back in 2010, at the Legislative Conference for the National Association of Counties, Nancy Pelosi had this to say about the yet-to-be-passed Affordable Care Act. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Afterwards, she received a lot of ridicule for that statement. But would you be surprised to know that Nancy Pelosi was right? This is the Free to be Free podcast, encouraging you to assert your liberty because you are free to be free. When I say that then-Speaker Pelosi was right when she made that now-famous statement, I think she was right by accident. I think what she really meant was simply to push the bill along, try to make an excuse or justification for it being passed. I don't think she was trying to predict the future or make a commentary on how interpretation of legislation works today. But... In the end, she was right. We had to pass the bill to find out what was in it. She just had the first and the last steps and skipped all of the steps in between. So here's what really happened. The bill had to be passed. It then had to be implemented. Then it was litigated. Then it was appealed. And then the bill finally ended up at the Supreme Court in two cases we're going to talk about. And then the Supreme Court justices told us what was really in the bill, despite what the plain language of the bill may have said. So let's start with the first of these two cases. In 2012, the Supreme Court decided NFIB versus Sebelius. Now, NFIB is the National Federation of Independent Businesses, and it was just one of the parties in the bill. In fact, their side was represented by 26 different states. So a majority of the states had an objection to this provision. And what the bill centered on was the penalty for not purchasing health insurance. The question was, does Congress have the power to require that a person engage in some type of commerce or economic activity And in this case, it's purchasing health insurance. Well, guess what? The Supreme Court, in a majority opinion, ruled that Congress did not have the authority to require a person to participate in a specific economic activity. But the Supreme Court, when looking at what was called a penalty for not purchasing health insurance, decided that that was not a penalty, but in fact, it was a tax. So by changing that from a penalty to a tax, the requirement for a person to participate in that economic activity was gone. It was simply a tax under the taxing power of Congress. So this is where we had to pass the bill to find out what was in it. Because when the bill was originally passed, it was called a penalty. And in fact... There is a requirement 
and this is found in section, I'm sorry, Article 1, Section 7 of the U.S. Constitution, and it states, all bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives. Well, guess what? The Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, originated in the Senate. So how could Congress have intended that to be a tax if they knew that bill would have to originate in the House if it was considered a tax? And it was clearly referred to as a penalty in the bill. But leave it to the Supreme Court to come and save the day and say, oh no, this is a tax, not a penalty. Therefore, it's justified. So you guessed it, Nancy Pelosi was right. We had to pass the bill so that we could ultimately find out what is in it once the Supreme Court got a hold of it. The second case decided by the Supreme Court with regards to Obamacare is King versus Burwell. And this was decided in 2015, and it centered on the subsidies for health insurance premiums. Now, the language of the bill said that exchanges established by the states would be eligible for subsidies for these premiums. Now, if you don't know, the Obamacare bill created exchanges for health insurance at the state levels, and those policies purchased at the state exchanges were eligible for subsidies. However, the federal government also created an exchange when many states refused to do so. And the federal government started paying subsidies to people who purchased insurance through the federal exchanges. But the clear language of the bill said that the subsidies were for exchanges established by the states. So in its ruling, the Supreme Court decided that Congress really meant the states or the federal government in that language, even though they omitted it. And there are plenty of other places in the bill where they do make distinctions between federal and state-run exchanges, but never mind the fact that in this section they specified that only state exchange policies could receive the subsidies. So once again, I have to tell you, Nancy Pelosi was right. We had to pass the bill before we could find out what the Supreme Court is going to tell us what is in it. Now, I feel that in both of these cases, it is very clear that the Supreme Court is legislating from the bench. And this is unconstitutional. Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution reads, All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States. There is no room left for the judicial branch to finish the legislation or fine-tune it or tell us exactly what Congress meant. What should have happened is the Supreme Court should have ruled in both cases on the plain language, the plain and obvious language in the bill, and if that had a poor political result or legislative result, it's up to Congress to go back and fix the bill that they messed up rather than the Supreme Court trying to fix it for them. So I want to touch on a solution that the Convention of States, an Article 5 Convention for Proposing Amendments, can offer to this problem of judicial overreach. 
at the simulated convention, and you can check a previous episode with some details on uh, the simulated convention, which Convention of States ran in 2016, but there was a proposed amendment that would specifically address this. Now, let me read the proposed amendment. Section 1, any decision of the Supreme Court may be vacated by a resolution passed by the legislatures of three-fifths of the several states or by two-thirds of both houses of Congress. No state legislative resolution older than five years shall be counted to aggregate the necessary number. Section 2. A decision that is vacated within six months of the date of entry of the judgment shall result in a vacation of the judgment itself. Otherwise, a decision vacated as provided herein shall not disturb the judgment as between the named parties. Section 3. The congressional override is not subject to a presidential veto and shall not be the subject of litigation or review by any federal or state court. Section 4. The state's override shall not be the subject of litigation or review in any federal or state court or oversight or interference by Congress or the President. So basically, this proposed amendment is saying that a Supreme Court decision can be overturned by a three-fifths votes of the states or a two-thirds of both houses of Congress. It's also saying if, if this reversal of decision happens quickly, within six months, it's as if the judgment never happened. But if it's longer than that, the decision is vacated, but the two parties of the suit, the judgment stands between them. I, it also says that the congressional override is not subject to a presidential veto or further legislative review. And the same is true of the state's override. Congress can't interfere with it, nor can the courts or the president. Now, it's important to note that this proposed amendment was debated at the simulated convention, but it was not voted on. There was substantial debate on uh, mainly focusing on the text that gave Congress the power to override Supreme Court decisions. There was a question of whether this was wise or not. After all, if Congress had passed an unconstitutional law and the Supreme Court said it was unconstitutional, rightly so, Congress could still override it. So there still needs to be some work done on this, perhaps uh, eliminating the option for Congress to override might be a good modification to this proposed amendment, but clearly having some type of check on the Supreme Court is very important. Because if you look at the system of checks and balances in our federal government, there is no check on the Supreme Court decisions. They have a final say. Well, doesn't it make sense that actually the states would have the final say? And it would have to be a substantial number, three-fifths of the several states, would have to agree to overturn a Supreme Court decision. I think that's a better uh, check and balance than we have today. After all, the states are the creators of the federal government, and the states should have the final say in issues such as this. So I look forward to the day when we don't have to pass the bill to find out what's in it. And the only way to accomplish this is through an Article 5 and
Convention of the States. This is the Free to be Free podcast. I'm Paul Phillips. The opinions expressed are my own. You can learn more about the Convention of States project at conventionofstates.com. You can also find the Convention of States project on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. The first thing that you'll want to do at conventionofstates.com is to learn the issue for yourself. Then you'll want to sign the petition to let your state legislators know that you are ready to assert your liberty through an Article 5 Convention of the States. Until next time, stay free, my friends.